What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Professional Hippies Podcast. We're very excited and extremely grateful to have you back. If you have been a longtime listener, we've been doing a little bit of a push. We have one favor to ask, and I think this is an episode you definitely want to tune into. So if you're not going to do it now, maybe do it later. Leave us a review or drop us a comment. Let us know, hey, how you dig in the flow? We've made some changes. Let us know what you're thinking. And the best way to do that is to leave us a review for the algorithm. Today, we have somebody that we are very excited to have on the show. It's Crystal Morris. How you doing? Hi, guys. I'm fantastic. So happy awesome. to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you on because uh, this is an episode that we get a lot of questions about, or a topic, right? So this episode's been a long time coming, microdosing. We talk about it. Uh, a lot of people in our space talk about it, but I'm excited to have you on to talk about some nuance to that and just a little bit of like the resume, if you will, a little bit of the background. Um, what I love about the spin that you come from is coming from the corporate world, right? Coming from like a, a traditional model that I think a lot of people and our audience can relate to. And so, um, you know, I, I thought about this a couple different ways. Like, I wonder how many people are out there are thinking about, hey, I'm in a job that I'm unfulfilled in, right? And I, I want to make the next move or I'm in a rut in life and I don't know how to get out of it. So I don't think this, your past lends itself just to helping executives, which is primarily who you focus on, right? Mm -hmm. I think it applies in a lot of different arenas in life where you have kind of this past life when you sent over some of the, some of the info, right? But I also love the way you're choosing to lead your current life. So I think there's a lot of arenas of people that would benefit if you're in a job that maybe isn't resonating with you or you're making some lifestyle choices that you're unsure of how to kick or, you know, how to find that next North star, so to speak. Yeah. And I think this episode's going to be uh, really a good one. So how to do with that? Anything you'd add to that? Anything you'd take away? No, I, I mean, I think, I think universe is a very interesting thing. And I will say before finding psychedelics, I was a total atheist, like did not believe in anything. And, you know, I think the way that my life transpired and in leaping from the corporate world, um, has definitely shaped and reframed the way that I look at things. But I think it's one of those situations where you can take the door or not. And, and there are many doors. And I feel like that's kind of my purpose is, is really helping to people to see their options. Cause I also know that my path can't be everyone else's path. So I, I feel like that's kind of the bridge that I'm meant to work here and helping people find their purpose, um, unlock themselves and their potential as well as, you know, get the hell out of a job that they hate. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody can relate to that, by the way, like being at some stage or some position in life and you're like, man, this is not where I want to be. But what I love about, so when we met, we met at, uh, the condor approach mastermind retreat, um, however we frame that. And one thing I loved about the conversation that we met speaking just like organically, authentically. And I think I apologize for something I said to you and you're like, Hey, that's cool. Don't worry about it. Like, I really appreciate when people are authentic. I just like totally said something out of pocket and I was like, shit, I don't know you like that. So my bad, let me reel that statement back in. But I think that's some also proper sarcasm, which I, I am fluent in. So I always appreciate that about people. By the way, you got a rare apology too. That usually doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you put off such a great energy and I'm so glad we can make this happen because I know there's so many people that are curious about this and 
And it's not like you're just stepping into this because, um, you know, in the way I'm seeing it, it's not like you were like, hey, this is what makes sense to do next in my life. It, the way you kind of described me, it seemed like it was more pulling a thread and the next series of events started unfolding from that. Like you were doing pretty good in the corporate world. Like it, like most people would look at you and say like, you're, you're crazy. Like why wouldn't you keep going that direction? Like you had what everybody can aspire us to do. Right. So, you know, I worked for three of the biggest fang companies there are. And, you know, I was fortunate to like build a large career at Tesla and then eventually found my way to another, another company. And, you know, the world had different plans because with the pandemic, I found myself in Portland and was like, God, I hate my job. Like I literally hated the women I worked with. And by some weird experience, I found myself going to Boise, Idaho for Halloween in 2020. And that was the first time I had taken DMT and had never done psychedelics before in my life. And then the following weekend did LSD and I remember walking around and it was not ceremonial in any way. I mean, you know, maybe like <laughs> you know, the, the intention of like kind of like calmly coming up together with the guy I was hanging out with. We were walking around the damn 7-Eleven parking lot, like drinking coconut water and eating Twizzlers for hours. Like it was beautiful and everything I needed to be and fun. And I remember walking around going like, I need to quit my job. And there was some events that happened later on that weekend where you know, someone very close to me committed suicide. And it led for me to be able to like take bereavement time. And the day I committed where I was like, I'm going to quit was when the stock market went completely crazy out of nowhere. And my Tesla stock created a, a path for me. Like it was like, here's your safety net. Now jump. And I remember going and taking, I tried to quit. My boss told me to take leave and I took two months of leave. And within a month of being off and, you know, experiencing people in clubhouse, something was like, nope, you're going to step the F away. And I quit. I, I just called my boss. I'm like, I'm going to retire. And two months later, I found myself in Austin, not knowing a single person. Like I literally was called here and had not really done much psychedelics besides just like the occasional LSD trip on Christmas um, until almost a year later. And it's so interesting how that thread was just like kind of led me to different people and, and different paths. So I think, I think it's all something that, yes, many people would have killed for the life that I had. And then I also look at the fact that like if everything that had led me up to that led me to be able to quit and step away without fear, because if I was still with Tesla, which was a company I love and still love to this day, I might still be in that rat race. And while I might have a whole lot more stock, um, I'd be fucking miserable. It snaps up for that. I think that, that's beautiful. And, and thank you for having the courage to, to do that, right? Because mm -hmm. one of the things that we're seeing emerge in kind of this next wave of interest in psychedelics is a lot of people just having curiosity, mm -hmm. needing answers. And I'm with you on... I would say, I would dare to say most people's first experiences are nowhere around the fucking realm of ceremonial. The Twizzlers and whatever the chocolate fuck. Yeah, that, that's, 
I bet that was banging. I bet those Twizzlers were fire too. The fruit Twizzlers, the ones with like the the juiciness inside. Oh yeah, were like fantastic. Perfect. Yeah. I'm surprised that's not mandatory in South America. They're like, no, no, this is how we meet God now. <laughs> <It's> proper dieta. <laughs> right, we offer the Twizzler. <laughs> it's ayahuasca juiciness in the Twizzlers. <laughs> yeah. uh, so man. a question on to that, right? So you got to a point, it sounded like, in your career, you were just like, I'm not happy in this situation, mm-hmm. right? And you were at a point, too, which I think a lot of people get surprised about nowadays because it's happening more. You worked very hard to get to that spot that you were at, and you were making – a great income, right? Mm-hmm. Like you were living the dream of what we, sh- when we're younger, we think like if we strive hard, we'll get to this point, we'll make a great salary, we can have what we want. Yeah. Was the decision of like, I'm making money, but I'm not happy. Was that, did that start happening before the trip that you did or afterwards that you were like a correlation between money and the happiness happened? I think it's all of it. I mean, I think, you know, part of my own healing journey started around 2016 after I got divorced and, and really doing more inner work around, you know, masculine and feminine energy and dealing with my own shit regarding my divorce and my part in it. And even with all of that, you know, there's always this sense of like something's missing. And I think what the psychedelics really led to was like realizing that you aren't going to get the answers without really going deep. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck who are in the corporate world or who maybe have never tried psychedelics because they love living in that middle space of safety and with really wanting to achieve things of like true happiness, which to be honest, for a long time, I couldn't even define like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have your manifesting lists and whatever the hell someone's trying to sell to you. But it, a lot of it's so very 3D of like, oh, I want the house, I want this, I want a partner. But most people can't really define what that truly means for them, including myself for a long time. And with that, it was the idea that in choosing to step away, I had to make room for something else to come in. And so I took a flying leap off off the cliff. Um, you know, again, very fortunate that I, I could do that and not everyone can. But literally, I was just on a coaching call with people in my microdosing group, and, and you know, I'm having clients who are in the same loop, right? Like, and I'm like, okay, well, how are you creating boundaries in your life to create space for things mm. to come into your world? Because right now, you are back to back to back, and you aren't living in a state where you have any room for anything to come in. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, when you, and so it sounds like it, the, there was something already implanted in there, and then when the trips happen and then you start discovering these things, it started, it started helping separate the mm-hmm. two things from your mm-hmm. happiness and then the making money. But to also point out too, as well, it's not like you stopped working and then you yeah. just went down this path. Like you just thought you just pivoted and went towards something that's going to make you happier while also now doing well at that also. So it's not like the work stopped. It was just like, Oh, I have to redirect what I think is most important to me. And what's funny is when I quit, I was doing relationship coaching. Um, I was actually corping, co- coaching a lot of corporate exec guys who were cheating on their wives. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, like there's a market for that um, because they were so unhappy and miserable in their life and obviously not confronting that aspect, right? And um, in manif- true manifestation form, I was like, I want $12,500 a month. 
And then uh, three days later, my now business partner, uh, we also, I also am a COO of a cannabis vending machine company, which we're starting up. And he calls me and he's like, can you be my um, COO? And I said, well, I have no clue how to do that, but sure. And I'm not working more than 20 hours a week. And, you know, to this day, like we're going to be launching at um, MJ BizCon next week in Vegas. But with that, it was allowing space of things and things I had no clue what I was even getting myself involved into. And it wasn't until basically a year ago to the day where I had my first true mushroom ceremony. And with that, it led me into this path of like, holy shit. Like it was like, you know, Neo in the matrix when he's like, starts learning stuff. He's like, I need this. And so I, I started doing it every month. Um, you know, a lot of times hero doses, including ayahuasca and other, other modalities. And just something in me was like, I'm going to do this every month for a year at least and see what comes through. Sorry, I'm, I'm listening. I was just... No, you're good. <laughs> his, his tail's going everywhere on that. <laughs> so yeah, I want to add something to that because I think what's really important um, about that is the vulnerability and the transparency, rather, of like, hey, this is what my journey looked like. I think a lot of people that get into psychedelics or wanting to experiment with psychedelics are either intimidated by hearing other people's experience and depth and volume and thinking, you know, especially people that listen to our podcast, you know, I get questions about like, well, okay, you started 12 years ago. Like, where do I start? You know, what, what am, what am I supposed to pull out first? Like, how do I do this? Not realizing like most people fumble their way into it. And our goal is and I would argue, you know, with um, your practice as well as making sure people are stepping into it with a protocol with yes. a much more gentle on-ramp than, mm-hmm. you know, just blasting through the universe, trying to just grab on and, and hold on and, and pray and, and wish. And so um, I, I really appreciate like the transparency and the vulnerability there because I think it's important. Like, hey, everybody's got to learn everything from somebody at some point. And so it's not about like you knowing everything it's just you've concentrated on this subject in this field and hey that's why you're becoming a resource and so anybody can right and this is a new frontier for a lot of people so uh hats off to you for just being like hey this is this is what kicked it off for me yeah right and and it's become very transparent and that not everyone's journey is going to look exactly the same you know and i definitely stayed in the sense of well i haven't been doing this long enough or what do I really know? Cause there's people who have been doing this for 10 plus years and who am I to try to hold space for other people? And, you know, I'm very fortunate that the first person that held my journeys, we did it as private ceremonies. And I, I got to see a lot of the true intention around holding space. I got to see what happens when you don't do dieta, when someone else showed up and started puking mm. for half the time with mushrooms. I'm like, that doesn't look right. Yeah. Um, so like I got to see all of these experiences of like why certain things happen um, and what space holding looks like. And I also got to see what I don't like. And I think that's what comes through is like trusting your own intuition around it. But, you know, on the flip side, as I've shared my experiences, I've heard a number of stories about bad trips or you know, I wouldn't say anything's a bad trip, but bad first experiences. Like one of my close friends, his first experience was throwing a bunch of mushrooms into orange juice and not knowing how much it was. And then he and his friend went to a sushi restaurant and then <laughs> tried to drive across 
through a target parking lot like like no like dude that'll do it right there that's a great way to scar yourself right you know and i'm like this is like this is what we're here for it's not necessarily this entitlement there's only one way but it's keeping people from doing the dumb mistakes that we're going to do because we don't realize the situation we're putting ourselves into because imagine yeah. if, if so you know as it's becoming more prominent Imagine having someone that you could just call and just be like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Can I have a guide yeah. instead of why most people usually get into it is like, hey, I bought it off a friend. We're going to go take it. Hopefully this works out the way we want yeah. it to. I got it from situation. the dark web on on, you know, on the web and, and I have right. no clue what to do with it. You know, even just like just dumb questions like, you know, I, I think I remember watching a, a Ron White and Joe Rogan podcast where. I mean, it's Joe Rogan, but they were, he was talking about his first ayahuasca yeah. trip and, and wearing white. And, you know, he was like, oh, it's so they can see you running away. And then, like, my intuition was like, oh, it's so they can see who shot themselves. Like, yeah. you know, there, there's definitely some things that you, they're not written down. There's no Bible of, like, how to get into psychedelics. Mm -hmm. You know, note to self, someone should write it. But <laughs> I mean, it, there's a lot of great guides out there. It's mm -hmm. just you you got to dig a little bit to get the recommendations to it right and jelly bean leo i think everybody i think too as well what you were saying like now everyone's experience is the same right and and yeah. the the approach that you're taking with that is awesome because i feel like there are a lot of people that do get into it and then they feel like they can start coaching but they think their path is the only way like this mm. is the way it worked for me so it's, it should work for everybody else right and without going it's kind of like the the person that hasn't had a bad trip yet yeah right they're telling everybody about it and their grandmother and everybody should do it until they have a bad trip and then they're like oh okay now i get it the situation mm -hmm. now but and, and most of the work you're doing is on a on a micro level right like that's um focus both. Right i actually now, do or? both so right okay. now um i have been we've been holding space with some of my medicine sisters for women's groups and then i literally just had both of my current microdosing clients want to do larger dose journeys um this month or in the next month so i think i think people are, are approaching it from different ways so i had one person do a two and a half gram dose with a dear friend that i trust before they came into the microdosing group um, because they were also weaning off of ketamine and then I had another guy who was super apprehensive because he wanted, you know, he's a corporate accountant and he was like, I want to make sure that my son won't notice I'm on things. So we kind of started him off slow and now he's like, so let's talk about the bigger dose. So now he's ready. So I think the angles that they're coming at it is totally different, but seeing both everything from corporate people and seeing the flow states and getting them out of their routines and habits all the way to, you know, soccer moms, like, I think there's a, there's a place for all of it, particularly as it comes into the damn holiday season where everyone kind of just gets a little bit unhinged. Is this where you feel like the most pressure comes into, like, say, the C-suite life is around the holidays? Mm, I mean, I think generally the from a Q4 perspective, I think it can be very stressful. I know what Tesla it always was, but generally, you know, you have more holidays, you have more things to kind of ease off, but I think that's where the the lack of being able to consolidate your personal life and your corporate life like comes together where they're like, Oh, now I have to show up and be the husband, the, you know, great father for Christmas, whatever it is, and still do this other work. And when you're living a lie, 
during that whole period, whether it's in your personal life or your corporate life, it all just kind of just feels very weighty. Where do you feel like the balance is between, because this is something that I think I've struggled with most of my adult life, is feeling like, hey, do I want to throw all of my effort into building my own thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or do I also want to throw a lot of my effort into something I'm very, like, passionate about and I, I think you know i'm just going to go on a limb here but i would think in most corporations you start out with the idea of hey we're changing the world right this thing that we're working on is changing the world or making some meaningful impact and then some point someday you wake up and it's groundhog day right you're in charge of people yeah. or it's the same stuff kind of cycling through and you realize like where's the time gone this isn't what i'm happy about so like you know, there's a question in there somewhere, but like, how do you find the balance? If, if you don't necessarily want to be your own startup, if you don't want to do your own thing, but you don't, you don't love what you're doing, like, wh- then what do you do? What's the answer there? Well, and here's the big problem is, you know, I think with Instagram and, you know, overall like social media, everyone's been led to believe that everyone should be an entrepreneur. Not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur. Like there needs to still be workers, um, otherwise, we're going to have a complete collapse of the economy of, you know, other businesses being able to scale. But what I do in particular, so I've been actually studying the gene keys, which is similar to human design, but it's, it really talks about like your purpose and your life's work. And so in, in my microdosing programs, I actually look through their charts and see where they are not living in alignment with their personal purpose and their life's, life's work and gifts and help them to reframe where they can possibly make shifts in their work. So are they in the wrong industry? Are like, how can they take their true gifts and reshift that into something that may still allow them the safety and security of having a paycheck, like a steady paycheck and working for someone else, but something that will allow them the shift into really feeling more fulfilled in their day to day. Yeah. When, uh, when you're talking, when a lot of people, when they get the mindset right in that aspect, to do that a lot of people that haven't taken psychedelics they think oh i'm just going to want to not have all my responsibilities anymore i'm just going to want to drop i'm not going to do i'm gonna become lazy well really it's just helping you organize i think your your perception on things right and so it just allows you to say oh that's not as important as i thought it is it's still important but i need to put things in front of that how do you talk to that with with your clients when, when they're coming to the situation, they're worried. Like, I feel like I'm just going to forget everything. I'm going to become a lazy person and realizing like, Oh no, this is actually a medicine that'll help you get to what you're wanting to do. Mm -hmm. Or, or they're afraid of just saying, fuck it. Right. Like, or if they, or they just snap like a twig. Right. Well, and I think that's the, that's the beauty of, of plant medicine in general. I I think it'll confront you to your truest of truths. Um, whether you want to see it or not, particularly grandmother, like she will smack you upside the head and make you like see what you <laughs> did, maybe didn't want to see. But with that, it's, it's up to them to really make the, ch- the shifts. And I think the biggest thing is recognizing what aspects of their life they are willing to change and creating structure and frameworks to support what might not be able to change right now and shift. Um, because Can I you give some examples the other, there? Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the idea of like leaving your corporate job, right? Like, so if it's 
shifting into a different department, if it's creating some new boundaries with your boss, if it's maybe shifting into a different department, um, which I already said. Um, but it doesn't always have to be leaving. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be leaving. And, right. and even with that, I think taking on additional projects and, and being able to be in a state where you feel engaged again, and it might be leaving. I mean, the reality is, is a lot of times, I mean, I, I generally didn't stay at a company for more than two years prior to a, a few companies, but I, I got to the point where I was like, I was no longer interested in being there because they weren't growing as fast as I was. And I think that's the other part of it is recognizing when you've outgrown something, a relationship, whether it's a partnership, whether it's a job, and knowing that if you want to continue to expand, you need to get the hell out. Mm. That's a pretty bold statement too. Like talking because some of the companies you're at are not small companies. Yeah. But I think it's also about realizing the bandwidth of that opportunity for your lane, so to speak. Right. So if you're if you're outpacing that doesn't matter what the market cap is for that company looking at what they're allocating for what's going to make you feel fulfilled and seeing if am I hearing you right on that? Like yeah. seeing if that aligns with what your vision is. And if it's like, Hey, if that's not meshing up, like give yourself the permission to, to go where you feel called. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I feel like that's a common thing these days. It used to be, you know, dedication to your, this company and you'll move up. And I feel like that's kind of gone out the window more of like you just said, it's more hopping around of like, Oh, this company, they've kind of, they've kind of capped out on being able to move up, but I know I can move up. So I just got to go to a different location and do it. Yeah. Well, and the reality is, is, you know, being a long-term employee isn't necessarily celebrated anymore. You get maybe mm-hmm. a two, three and a half percent raise if you're lucky. Um, you know, particularly if you're, if you're under the big umbrellas of a large company where they literally force rank people in like the most disgusting way and, like, oh no, we have too many medium or overachievers. So we need to knock some people down just to hit this, you know, bell curve. But with all of that, there's also the intention of knowing that most times the companies don't really have your best interest at heart. And so it's still being able to have that safety net of what you want out of a career, but knowing like what you really need to get out of it in order to feel safe in making the next step forward. So is it taking a leave? Is it taking um, some time away and really getting set of going on a medicine journey and like figuring out what is truly important to you? Because a lot of times when you take off the stressor of having the job that is taking up 60 hours of your week, you'd be surprised what else you can achieve during that time. But again, going back to the idea that not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur too and, and, and recognizing that it might just mean shifting into a completely different industry that you never thought of. Yeah, that, I think that's a, a big thing that I'd love to hear your perspective around is like one, like, okay, how many hours were you working, right? And in, in that old life that, that you kind of call it. And then also with um, the advent of, social media portraying entrepreneurship. And I think there's, Hey, there's definitely like a middle ground. Gary V prophesizes all the time of being kind of a solopreneur where it's like, Hey, if you're really passionate about something and and you're making 60 grand or 70 grand at your job, finding a way to monetize that to replace your income versus looking for a million two, three million 3 million a year. Cause some people just don't realize like what the trade-offs look like for getting to that level. 
in any kind of reasonable time frame and any kind of reasonable sacrifice, right? So if you're in a place where you're not exactly happy at your, at, uh, your occupation, one of the things I love you bringing in is shifting versus leaving is like, okay, I know personally, as you were saying that I was reflecting on relationships I've had where one conversation, one real authentic conversation away from everything being great amazing but there's like all this internal pressure and tension and story casting of like putting bullshit that's not really them but i'm like throwing shit on their plate and then you just air it out one good time and they're like oh yeah like no problem i can stop doing that mm-hmm. it's like the clouds part you know god comes down it's like this is your best friend again you know so it's like hey maybe maybe a job could serve that way too but yeah. bringing in kind of the you know, the shifting, like, hey, would how would you say, like, microdosing can serve as a as an avenue for that? While also recognizing who would microdosing not serve? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things I always preempt people starting the program um, or starting to microdose is, like, you will not be able to compartmentalize your shit. Like, it is going to become next to impossible. Um, so I literally, again, my corporate accountant, he was like, I was sitting in this meeting and so help me. I wanted to like get up and like strangle this person. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the medicine working. Um, you know, like, it's, it's cut back on your rage a little bit, but, uh, the really it's, you can't live out of authenticity. And so with that, I find I, I can't tell a lie. Like I can't be dishonest with myself. So I think what if it would have done me so much better to be able to speak back in you know, in my past life to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not feeling valued. I'm sick of having every downsized manager become my new boss. Um, you know, what, where can I go? Where can I ex- advance in this area? But I think the larger part of it is people being able to set boundaries that can possibly help them bring ease into their life and not always being people pleasers, because that's the other part of it is, we keep being fed the, okay, if you keep doing this job, you keep grinding, you keep doing this, eventually you'll move up. And that's not generally the case because there's so much politics. There's so much things behind the scenes that you don't understand on who's going to move up into a company, who's going to be, you know, upper management, whatever that looks like. And so really getting honest with what you need to get out of that job and is it really bringing you value? And I think that's, the thing that we tell ourselves a lot is, oh, this job is bringing me this. It's safety. It's, I love my job. I've worked so hard to get this job. And with that being too afraid to say, well, okay, does this still serve me now? And I think, you know, running a state assessment on ourselves around like, well, <laughs> what stories am I telling myself around why this is so important and why am I afraid to leave it? no different than, you know, the corporate person who's been in the, the 20-year marriage that they they don't even recognize their partner after COVID. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a situation where when you're doing your consultation before you started the program, you're like, mm-hmm. I love my job. Everything's good. And then after they started the program, they're like, I hate my job. <laughs> I want to leave this thing. And you're like, well, wait a Snap. minute. What happened? <laughs> and you're like, hold on, hold on. Let's not leave the job yet, you know. But if they're, if they're coming into it, like, I hate my job, I want to figure out what to do. And then they take it and they understand what to do after that. It makes sense. But have you ever seen, like, a complete shift? And you're like, hmm. let's slow the brakes a little bit. 
not necessarily someone saying they love their job. Usually they're like, I'm, I'm doing this. I feel pretty fulfilled, but, uh, it hasn't been the full like 180. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do feel like it does bring people to like the reality of like, Oh damn. Like, yeah, I really don't like this. Like Like they were really lying to themselves and Mm -hmm. then that authenticity comes out more. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I wanted. Interesting. And that's interesting. You bring that up. I never thought about it like that, that the, the authenticity comes out and continues even after afterwards, after you take it right and you go through your session. And I, I, I think back on just my life now, like I definitely started being more just upfront with people about mm-hmm. situations just to be like, this is bothering me. Let's work together through this instead of just holding it back. And it definitely has helped out more. I never even thought about that correlating with it. Well, even uh, this last week, you know, I posted about it as well as it came up in, in my group around the idea of simply having no mean no, or like being able to, to how to stop people pleasing during the holidays and, 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 and in general. But, you know, we've come as a society, we're so used to saying, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I insert excuse here. And I was like, how about you guys just simply say, I'm sorry. Thanks for the invite. I can't make it. And period. No, no addition. You don't need to explain yourself. And they're like, you can do that. Like, yeah, you can do that. Like your no is all people need to know and you don't need to validate it or explain it. And I think that's something that we're constantly probably unraveling from conditioning from parents or, you know, whatever it is of having to have a valid reason for something. And I think even going back to the idea of why you want to leave your job, we feel like it needs to be valid in order to execute. Mm. I feel like too, as well, when you start doing that as well, bringing the no out more often, you know, there's going to be some people that do think you're being mean or you're being an asshole or whatever, like probably not your bestest friends anyways. Exactly. But like the people that you are, that are closest to you, you'll kind of also notice they'll start doing it too, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. And you just see it start spreading, which you're like, thank you. I'm glad you're saying no. I'd rather you say no than be at something you don't want to be at at that situation. Yeah. And I think it's, it's part of learning how to hold space for others too, because if you tell your friend like, Hey man, I am wiped. I know this lunar eclipse got me all jacked up. I'm going to (laughs) take, I'm going to go and like not skip the podcast. I'm going to take a nap for the next two days. They they got your back the next time because they you they hold space for you and it, and it's just so refreshing to be like oh man I've totally been there and I I I'm so glad you didn't come here and try to fake it and be miserable the whole time. Yeah, I mean it, it it's interesting that um, it can come from hey honoring your sacred no or mm-hmm. also just being real with people. But what I love that you know Dylan you brought this in is. Um, whether it's a macro or a micro influence, it's really just altering your state of consciousness to allow the pattern to be broken. Right. And and I find like, it's weird that other people's agendas in life just piles on to our real intention and how we're really feeling, which don't get me wrong. I love being suckered into a good time as much as the next guy. But then somehow that turns into a pattern that becomes detrimental to my real intention to myself, to like how I'm waking up. And then one day you just find yourself like waking up and you're just zonked and you're like, man, I don't have the energy for the shit that I really want to do. And so it kind of turns into this vicious cycle that 
you feel like you're on a roller coaster you didn't want to be a part of, you know? And so I guess all that lends itself kind of right back to the corporate game when you talk about politics. I think to your point, Colton, you know, the idea around not just sacred no, but also knowing when you don't need to tell people anything. Like, you know, I was raised by a cop and a teacher. So, you know, definitely psychedelics was not, not in the household, right? And so my parents have no clue what I do. Um, They know I'm semi-retired and I am perfectly okay with that because it is not a conversation I think they're prepared for. And, you know, maybe down the line I will share it with them, but I also feel more expansive by not even feeling the need to explain that. And so, you know, going back to Condor, they're like, you know, I told them I was at, at, at a, a week long training. They're like, oh, what about Mike? You don't need to know. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, was that's it. funny. Yeah. I remember that, those questions coming up too. When I first, and I was like, yeah, we're going to hold off for a little bit mm-hmm. before we start saying anything. <laughs> well, some of the terms you were, you were bringing up that I wanted to um, hop back on, like when you brought up grandmother earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to help our listeners. Like if you're not familiar, right? So when you said grandmother, what do you mean by grandmother? ayahuasca right and, and the same thing with um so this is kind of a fun thing that i don't think we've really talked about much on this podcast is that uh, different medicines are commonly referred to with different kind of titles so you have like ayahuasca would be like grandmother san pedro often carries a very masculine energy so it'd be like grandfather mm-hmm. right um i mean you could kind of go down any number of sorts and, and find different terms and titles for it. But, um, also when you said like state assessment, so what do you mean when you said like, Hey, run a state set of assessment on yourself? Like what are you pulling from there? Well, you know, true to our mentors, uh, Ta and Cole Whitty, um, they have created a framework around how you can really evaluate where you are at at any given point that you feel stuck and, you know, Colton is a now master of it. I am a now master of it. But a lot of times it's looking at your situation, your thoughts around it. I'm not going to give away the rest because you know what? That's their secret sauce. And I think that there's... Have you made any content around it? it? Have you put it out there? I've shared it with my coaching group, but I've not made content okay. on it yet. Yeah. Well, we should put out some content around that. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll duet it some, somehow on Instagram. Well, like one of the fun things that I love about psychedelics is how profound the downloads I'm saying that in quotes for everyone listening can be. Yeah. Because like, it feels like a literal download from the internet or source or something external. In reality, it's probably really internal and you get all these like really esoteric terms and like funky words and phrases that come out of psychedelics. But it it's a trip, man. You'll have like some people that are super woo-woo about it and other people that are like, I don't know what the fuck any of that means, but it was a blast and I got to see some pretty colors. And so it's it's so like sacred to each person what they're getting out of it. And I think a lot of it has what you're going into it with. There's you know, but it it's a house of a thousand mirrors, man. There's so many different ways to unpack that and, and try and pull at it and see. But um what do you see for yourself, like moving forward, you know, working with the medicines and, and kind of, uh, what, what's the next series of events you feel like that's coming from pulling this thread? Yeah, man. Um, it's interesting because I, prior to the end of October, I had no trips planned. Like my entire calendar was pretty empty for the rest of the year. 
and going back to my my comment about having space out of nowhere like got a message from another fellow condor was like hey do you want to come guardian or be a guardian for ayahuasca i'm like yes so i'm doing that in december um i have potentially two of my private clients who are going to be doing journeys by the end of the year and then we're going to be holding space for a women's retreat in in phoenix in january um, as a private so kind of just moving through like seeing what comes up and i am holding a holiday microdosing program for people who are just wanting to like kind of get a short trajectory into the path um, knowing that some people have it off from work and at first i was like no no one wants to microdose during the holidays and well, my girlfriend was like, yes, everyone should microdose during the holidays. <laughs> like, so I was like, yeah, maybe you're, maybe you're up to something. So kind of just like continuing to unravel again, like a year ago, if someone had told me I would be coaching in the microdosing or in the, in the psychedelic world, I would have said that they were high. Cause I was like, nope, like I'm still a student. I'm just kind of like on my own journey. I have zero interest in holding space for this. And I love it. Like, and I can, it goes back to the idea of just like finding something that fuels you and, and I get downloads, I get inspiration. I get all sorts of crazy thoughts around like, Whoa, I can make a you know, program out of this, or I should share this. And, and it's funny and trusting that whatever I share online, whether it's on LinkedIn, like putting my shit on LinkedIn has been one of the most scary and also interesting thoughts around like really sharing who I was with people who I used to work with. And like, there's a part of me that I'm like, Oh, they think I'm bad shit crazy. Like they definitely think I fell out of Good. spiritual closet and like hit every rock on the way down. And some people are like, damn, like, you know, they're like, thank you for sharing what your story is. Let them but, think that though. Cause they're just watching you be happy and excel, you know? Yeah. And they're just afraid of doing something like this. Mm hmm. And so, you know, it, it's part of our work is just be here to inspire people like your former self and help move, move the path. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what the path continues to bring forward. I, I think I'm only at the tip of the iceberg of what I'm meant to do here, but we'll see. You feel like too, as well. I feel like we're, when we start creating this podcast, we kind of felt like there's not much out there. I mean, there is, there's stuff out there, our podcast talking about it, but in the context of like, you know, the, if you look at the numbers of how many people that are interested in it and then how much information is out there to mm -hmm. find, to find it, there is, it's not that much in comparative, right? So we were like, oh, this is an up and coming thing. We want to get ahead of it. Is that kind of how you feel as well Is like you, you are at the tip of the iceberg as this is the psychedelics are becoming more prominent in the medicinal world? Absolutely. And, you know, and I have friends who are in Oregon and states that are things are becoming legalized. I actually thought about going and getting, you know, uh, certified in, in a state that is going to be legal. And I, I've been going back and forth on it, man, because like I, I don't know if that's the way that everything needs to happen. I, th I think it, it needs to happen from a government standpoint. But I think that for real for everyone to be able to get the help that they need, I think that there's still going to be an underground and I've been wavering on which way I want to go. And for right now, because I'm not going to be moving back to Oregon, I'm like, I'm going to still stay on the underground and, you know, know that the people who are meant to find me will find me. Well, I think By the way, did like Colorado pass it today? Possibly. I, 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 last I checked, Colorado was uh, um, legalizing it. It was 51, 49. They... 
Um, I don't know, man. I, that's Why he's looking that up? Would you consider Map still the underground? Mm. Like they're they're doing a ton of research, but technically, they're not. I don't know if they're working hand in hand with the government yet, but like, they're the leading, of course, on everything. Yeah. But I wonder if that would still be considered the underground. It's just you know, popping out. I think when when you start, at least from what I've been told around Portland and and Oregon, like because of like having to pay pay for facilitation fees, um, uh, their license, all of it's just going to continue to increase the price of of the medicine. And one of the most interesting things around you know legalized cannabis is that majority of it is all underground because of the price of production right so if we have enough growers and and what's going to happen with not having the growers also be the the facilitators so the division of church and state is great but i think that there's going to continue to kind of price people out who might really need the support and i'm just here for whichever whichever way i think it needs to i need to support in the right way Obviously, with church and state, it's it's that's being leveraged, of course, to make it come up. Do you think it's a good idea for that to continue at some point, or do you think there should be a point to where this separates from the church and state and it's its own uh, industry? Hmm. I know too many people that want to start up psychedelic churches, so I'm probably going to still err that I think there will there will need to be psychedelic churches, but I don't know how that's going to play in with the government. I mean, that's yeah, just yeah. like figuring out the legal side of things. I don't think yeah. it, uh, it, my personal belief would be like, yeah, not meddling it and, and to church because of, then you're just kind of conglomerizing all religious experiences. Like any experience that's very difficult to put words to. Um, I was listening to Michael Pollan today and I mm. clipped the way he described, uh, he was paraphrasing his buddy the way his buddy was trying to describe. Um, yeah, take a, a a man from the Stone Age, put him in the middle of Manhattan, have him experience just New York at you know the middle of the day, and then teleport him back to the cave and him try to tell his buddies like he just doesn't have the vocab like big, uh, large yeah like loud, shiny the sun like there's is everywhere. Yeah, it's like it just doesn't. We don't have the instrumentation. We don't have the tools. We don't have any kind of reference points to integrate that. So I guess right now, like, sure, if that's what it takes to get going. But it's the same idea. But like Rick Doblin is not making any doubts about it. Like he's like, no, I'm not pushing for medicinal use here. He's like, this should be recreational. But if that's the path we have to go, if we have to Mm -hmm. show its viability medicinally, sure. And that, that's something we talk about at nauseum on this podcast is like alcohol having to be like proved medicinally benefit yeah. for whatever. But yeah, it is, it is uh, not official, but um, the opponents are even conceding like, yeah, it's, it's going to pass. So not every single vote's been counted. But as of like an hour ago, they're like, yeah, this is a shoe in. It's going to be legalized in Colorado. That's awesome. Did you see, uh, did you hear about the psychedelic toad? In the national parks, they're telling people not to lick. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I the bufo toad. I have not seen this amazing thing. Oh yeah, there's a uh, a toad in the Sonoran Sonoran Desert. It's called the Sonoran Desert Toad, and uh, I guess people are going out there and licking it because it secretes something to cause psychedelic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just funny that national parks are like, please don't lick mushrooms. Please don't lick toads. <laughs> 
there's going to be signs everywhere. Please do not lick the toad. Please do not, please the do not molest you, the toads. Can you, can you please point out the toad that I should not lick? Please. That, show me, uh, show me on the human like where a great he example. You. <laughs> there's this whole thing going out about it, and I'm like, oh, cool. Let's just add another thing to the list <laughs> of a natural thing that they're trying to control. Well, as I was doing research on um, growing medicinal mushrooms, <laughs> very legal, you know, regular run-of-the-mill <laughs> mushrooms in your own house, one of the things I thought was really cool is that, let's say for it's like lion's mane or oyster mushrooms or, you know, whatever, you can order spawn bags. And this is some of the stuff that shows up in Instagram ads where you just order the box and then you cut the box open and the mushrooms grow out of the side of the box. So these are bags that have already been inoculated with the mycelium. So like they've already done kind of their, you take the spores from a mushroom, you dump them in some grain. The mushroom goes, oh yeah, I want to eat this stuff. It does all the white stuff inside the bag, right? Now it's inoculated um, or it's colonized rather. And then they ship you this bag that's already got all the white stuff, the mycelium. So like that's the main body of the mushroom. So imagine a day say five years into the future, 10 years into the future, where instead of selling you the mushrooms, it's totally legal. They send you a bag. And from this one bag, you can grow an ounce of mushrooms. And it costs nothing to duplicate this. So you're talking manure and spores, plastic, cardboard, and logistics of shipping. They can sell you an ounce of mushrooms for like 50 bucks and make a $40 profit on it. Mm-hmm. And you can get an ounce of medicine right there. And that's just one flush. I mean, you could do multiple flushes here. So I just think it's it's really, really interesting what could happen when, not that I think the pharmaceutical companies give a fucking flying chance in hell of ever letting that take place, but it's really promising the idea. You know, like if I wanted lion's mane, I can do that. I can, for 50 bucks, I can order a box. It'll get shipped here. And within a week, I'll have an ass ton of mushrooms that are great for my brain. I mean, hell, prime it. Get here. <laughs> Stored in the Amazon facility. <laughs> That'll be the ultimate coming together of capitalism and consciousness is when I can two-day ship some psilocybin right to my front doorstep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to get Bezos on this. You need to call Bezos, Crystal, and get yeah, him on your program yeah. so we can get this to happen. <laughs> see, Colton, I'm like, I want to see the uh, slow motion replay of like your evolution of your growth. Of, of your mycelium. Like, I think there needs to be a time-lapse camera somewhere. Oh, I can definitely set one of those up. One of the chicks that I'm following right now, Boomer Shroomer, um, or Shroomer Broom, <laughs> no, I think it's Boomer, whatever. She's awesome. She does time-lapses of her, all of her stuff. She's like, come learn with me as I'm going through it. And it's really, really cool watching her growth because she's learning stuff constantly. Awesome. And she's just documenting that journey. And so... Um, you should have her on the podcast. I should. Yeah. Like Rye, we reached out to Rye was also another great coach. All the coaches and, and people that I come across, I don't know what your experience has been. Anybody in this field, it's not like I want to get ahead of you. Mm-hmm. It, it It's like, hey, let's all lift each other up. Let's get notoriety in this field. Let's all push this wave together. Because mm-hmm. especially when someone's looking for like a coach in psychedelics or a, a coach in general, it's like, hey, if you can expose them to the idea of personal growth, and they resonate with you, awesome. But like, it's it's more about the idea of making someone else better than you found them, right? Cool. Giving them some tools of some sort, and 
I've seen that happen time and time again where it's like, hey, man, I don't care if you work with me. I'll mm-hmm. get in there, go go knock it out, champ. That you was know? the crazy thing to experience from the retreat I met you at was, you know, you had 40 people plus from like different walks of life, different age ranges, uh, ethnicities, whatever it is. And not one single person really was meant to help the same archetype. Like there definitely was like someone there for everyone. And if there was like a little bit of an overlap, they had just enough nuances in their personality or nuances in the way that they held space that you're like, oh, you would be better with this person or you'd be better with that person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you multiply that again. Like I, I very rarely find, I mean, there is some ego with some, but like I very rarely find someone who's so in it of like, I am like all that there is and you should only work with me and never wanting to like share resources or really help lift someone else up, which is freaking beautiful. I think it's tough when you're getting exposed to psychedelics to have that kind of ego, Mm -hmm. right? Like mushrooms, I don't know about you guys, man. They do a great job of chopping me at the knees anytime I think I'm something. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, buddy. Remember, you come from the earth. Uh, you know, I'm just picturing Dylan when he was hovering over me when I'm hugging poison ivy. We were in Tennessee, and I'm just <laughs> you couldn't have you couldn't have farmed a denser poison ivy on the side of this mountain, and I'm just holding on to the earth, make sure I don't fly away. Hey, hey, guys, just I know we're all doing this right now, but you are wallering in it at the moment. And he's like, it's so comfortable, I don't even care. It's a problem for 30 years from now. Like, all right, I'm gonna go over here to the creek. Away from this. <laughs> it took care of me though. No no poison ivy allergy here, baby. That's that's the <laughs> that's the thing to take from that. No, oh, that good. that retreat was it was great. And uh getting getting to just commingle with so many people that are excited about making contributions to this mm-hmm. field and, and this industry and, and you being one of them, right? So um I think it's really cool what you're doing with the corporate world and I mean, is there anything that we here's one question that I thought about earlier. What's something that you wish more people asked you about that you don't get asked about enough? Honestly, I think it would be what have I stopped believing in and what have I started believing in, you know, since experiencing psychedelics. And I think, you know, it's just the, the, my mindset and, you know, the, the woo spectrum has gone so far over from being a former atheist. And that's why I actually started doing like spiritual things. I wish I did. I did new when I was back in corporate, like once a week now, where I'll just like share random shit, whether it's Reiki or whether it's crystals or whatever it is, because I think there's a lot of beliefs and frameworks around what we think a spiritual person looks like. And I feel like that's also part of like my work is really sharing like, Hey, you don't have to have it look a certain way or like just because you're going to take psychedelics and maybe become a spiritual person means you're going to suddenly like have to live in a tiny house and like grow a massive beard and like live with no money. Like, I think there's, there's a balance, you know, going back to what, what we were talking about before. So I think if I, if I really, I mean, I definitely feel called to write books at some point. So I think that'll probably be a part of it of like sharing the experience around how everything shifted for me and everything has shifted with every journey, with every new time, with new modality I take. So it's, it's always an evolution, but I think, 
being willing to let go of a lot of things has been the biggest path for me. So I think it's just been more of like really sharing with people, like how do you get started and getting either own way, which is the biggest thing. Mm. Love that. Love that. That was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of good, like, a lot of good stuff packed into that. Yeah. I don't even know if that was even an answer to a question, but I'm like, I it it came through, so that's what we're going with. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, so if people are interested in you know getting exposed to more of your work or your content, or you know um, reaching out to you, like, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, um, you can find me on IG at I am Crystal Morris, and also at my website at IamCrystalMorris.com. Sick. You got to be the mo- probably the most interesting spiritual non spiritual person I think I've ever met. So, oh, I received that. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you received that because that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. I received that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, if uh, if you love this episode, remember you can watch all of our episodes on Spotify now. We are in the beta program for that, so we'd love to. Have you over there checking that out um, or on Instagram. Feel free to share any clips from this episode that resonate with you and be sure to leave us a review. If you're digging Crystal stuff, go check her out. Uh, Dylan, am I forgetting anything? No. Well, uh, well, Crystal, we'll have your information in, in the description of the podcast. So go down there, click on the links, check her out. Uh, follow the episode. Give us a subscribe. Up into it. Brush up against it. Click it. Follow Crystal. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye,